Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the beautiful game network at BGN.FM and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, my prediction was fully accurate. <laughs> which is very rare. Uh, The Red Bulls beat FC Cincinnati, moving on to their third consecutive conference final. Uh, We're going to talk about that match. We're going to talk about uh, their next opponent, uh, Louisville City, uh, who they're meeting for the third consecutive year as well. We've got an interview with Hassan and Dom that is fantastic. You're going to want to listen to. And we'll look at uh, the rest of the playoff picture, which is now increasingly narrow. Joining me tonight, as always... Uh, one of, uh, I, I would say this year's MVPs because he was here, I think the most of all the other hosts, it's Joe Steen. Hello, Joe. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I'm recovering from a very exciting night, Sunday night, uh, getting to see the Red Bulls win a, a, a second supporter shield in Red Bull arena. Yeah. It was very exciting. Yeah. We might have two, uh, two, two, uh, cups to take home this year in addition to a supporter shield. That would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, wait. Uh, before we get into that, Derek Etienne, <laughs> uh, his penalty, his penalty try against uh, Orlando City, it was admittedly poor. Okay, but uh, would you have any hesitation sending him to the spot? The people seem very surprised by that. Um, no, not at all. Uh, from what I've heard, he's made like first of all. Nobody's on the training grounds more than uh, Chris Armas and the coaching staff, so they see who, you know, who's probably one of the best penalty takers. Uh, I didn't have an issue with it at all, to be honest. Yeah, it was, it, you know, look, uh, I think sometimes you'll even put a guy in a situation like that to help them kind of ease into uh, a match or or get over the the hump. We saw it with Peggy Lee and Dula, Peggy Lee and Dula a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. where he couldn't hit hit the net uh if someone was paying him which they literally were to do (laughs) um but he took a penalty kind of uh he was able to shake it off and and he ended up having a pretty nice season after that um but anyway let's talk fc cincinnati uh before the match uh, i i mentioned uh how scared cincinnati played in their first round and it, it definitely i think trickled over into this round Oh, absolutely. Um, I would say that they, outside of maybe two chances in this game, um, one of them being one that Ledesma set up after he got past Ethan Cutler Mm -hmm. quite easily, and Corbin Bones shot off the crossbar, they didn't create anything at all. The back line was, I would say, fantastic. I thought Hassan Adam had Fernando Adi in his pocket the entire night. Um, Good luck going against that Aaron Long guy next year and. MLS. That's all I got to say. Um, and uh, Kevin Pollitt's had a really good game as well, and so did Ethan Cutler. You know, did his, did a good a job, a good enough job on uh, Emmanuel Ledesma, who's been terrorizing teams this year. And Alan Yannis did a very good job at the back too. So I mean, the defense really again stepped up very well in this game, and really sought saw the game out in the second half when they really didn't get as many chances as they did in the first half. And I think with this team in terms of the defense, uh, and Dom has absolutely taken over as a leader. I don't think there's a question, you know, earlier in the season, that was one of the things I kept bringing up is who's the leader on the back line. And Dom has emphatically answered that question. I think some of that might even be, uh, born out of 
um, is there a place opening up on the first team? And we've talked about that a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, if they can't hold on to Tim Parker, if Fidel Escobar goes elsewhere, and Dom is in line to to be that guy, and I think he's he's definitely. Uh, Florian Veloing <laughs> the end of the season because you know Velo looked like he might be out of the Red Bulls plans and he turned it on for the final few months of the season and uh, earned a starting spot uh, with the first team if not for injury he probably would have held on to um, and, and and Dom is absolutely playing at that level right now and I think the Red Bulls are are benefiting that are benefiting from that uh, in terms of uh, what they've been able to do uh, in the playoffs so far and on the road where they struggled so much. The other big thing in this match, uh, we were talking about Amando Moreno needing to get up to uh, speed and, and get back to the level he was at. Uh, I think there's no question <laughs> after his goal that he is back there. What a absolutely beautiful counterattack. Picture perfect. He takes on three guys. And now I think Cincinnati likely is able to shut that play down. But who made the run, Joe Steen? Well, uh, Tom Barlow and Jared Stroud. Give, give Tom Barlow as well. But I'm, I'm talking about Jared Stroud because <laughs> the defender who was closing down Moreno, uh, he's coming from behind, had to drift out wide because of Stroud's run. And that just bought him the extra uh, bit of space and time that allowed him to take that shot. So thank you, Jared. You made the run. <laughs> I, I, I give a lot of credit to uh, uh, Tenari, Barlow, and Jared on that play because they all basically took defenders out mm-hmm. of Moreno's way, which allowed him space for the shot. And again, that's that's a shot we've seen him take earlier in the season, and he was scoring that at will. Uh, very not similar, well, kind of not the same same spot as the Bethlehem goal where he came in from right. He was, was coming from the left thing. side, yeah, yeah. But it was right outside the eighteen, and it was a beautiful goal. It was very good to see him get back on track to I think where we want him to be as far as that level he was at before he got hurt this season. And it's huge for them because, I mean, they're going up against a team this weekend that has really shut down teams. And now you have another player they have to worry about. And I actually want to talk about the offense a little bit more. Um, Even though they had that great goal in this match, they didn't really uh, create a lot of trouble uh, for FC Cincinnati. And knowing how well Louisville has played, or, or I'm sorry, I'll have to do this for for I've mentioned him now on both podcasts for Russ McKenzie. Uh, it's Louisville. It's Louisville. No, it's Louisville. <laughs> King Louis. It's Louisville. Uh, but Louisville's defense has been so good, and the Red Bulls' offense has cooled considerably. But is it less of a concern now because their defense is playing at such a high level? I don't think it's as big of a concern as the defense was. I mean, we we talked about it all season. They were going to score plenty of goals this season. They really needed to clear up, uh, like clean up the defense as the season went along. Which, as I was talking about earlier today, after the Toronto FC two game where they gave up three after giving up three against Ottawa the week before, they really started to come together. I mean, two of those games again on the road where they had that tough stretch. I think where they had to go to Nashville, and I believe uh, I think it was Charlotte or. I think it was North Carolina FC. Yeah. Um, right after Nashville or right before well, Nashville? Well, they had Charlotte. It was Nashville, North yeah, Carolina. Before Nashville, yeah, so. yeah. So, and I believe two of those games, they were down to 10 men. So, again, that was something they had to really, they had to come together. They had to prevent chances. 
And they also had the see games, which, again, they've done that very well of late. They've only given up a goal or less in the last seven games, which is impressive. And, again, they come into this game against the Louisville team who has scored six on them this season and three on them this season. So, I mean, it, it, we, we saw the game at Montclair, which was insane earlier in the season when they had a 2 nothing lead that evaporated very quickly and Louisville completely took over. Yes, but we also saw the match in Louisville where uh, they were able to to, to scrape together uh, a, a fairly a hard-fought draw uh, that I think it, it was one of the signs that, that they were starting to coalesce, even if there was still a little bit of a rocky road ahead in terms of uh, how they defended. Um, I also want to talk right now about uh, three players who were – seemingly dealing with some injuries. Uh, first and foremost, Evan Loro. Uh, he he was limping a little bit. He wasn't able to take uh, some of those uh, goal kicks. They were relying on uh, Endalm, I think, to take them, or Kevin Pollitz, I don't remember which. Um, but that is absolutely a concern heading into the, the, the playoffs because of how well he's played. Or heading into the playoffs, but heading into the finals, rather. <laughs> um, Scott Levine... Uh, a possibility? Do we think that Loro needs to see a little bit of rest, or is he still playing at such a high level that's not a concern? I think he's playing at such a high level that it's not a concern. The the you know whatever he's dealing with. I mean, obviously he can't take goal kicks or anything, but his movement and you know everything else seems to be okay. So I mean, it, it's probably bothering him. They probably don't want him to risk it a little. You know, trying to stretch it out, whatever. You know, it's bothering him too much, but. Um, as far as his play, I haven't noticed any dip at all. Okay. Uh, and then the other two, uh, who seem like less concerns, uh, Hassan and Dom, I think he was down a couple of times during the match. Uh, I was, I for sure was worried about him because of how, you know, critical he's been over the last month. Um, but you know, I don't think that there's, I don't think, uh, Pilots and Scarlet, as the starting center back tandem would be able to beat Louisville. No, I, I'd agree with that. I think, especially with um, Louisville's talent up front, uh, they would definitely cause them too many problems. And they did have a good cameo uh, when they played each with each other uh, late in the season. But you know, you're going up against probably the best team in the East right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they well they are the best team in the East right now. One of the best teams. Um, and such a great attacking lineup that I think with Indom back there and Paulus back there, two familiar guys that have played so well in these last two games, it, that's huge for them. And then last but not least, Jared Stroud left the match uh, with an injury late. The FCC announcers, uh, who we didn't even talk about yet, uh, were absolutely terrible, atrocious, should be ashamed of themselves with their lack of knowledge of the sport. And uh, their uh, decidedly uh, Homer attitude towards all things in the match. Look, FCC had a terrific year, and I think that they um, deserve the plaudits that they received. But you're not talking about what they did over the course of the season. You're talking about what they did in this match, and they did not look good at any point. Uh, but that didn't stop the announcers from deriding the Red Bulls as the reason uh, that FCC couldn't get it going on the night, um, including saying that Jared Stroud was faking his injury uh, because there was no contact. And 
the idea that there would be announcers that have no knowledge of um, non-contact injuries were some of the most devastating injuries in all of sports. What are you talking about? Right? No, 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 non-contact <laughs> injuries aren't a thing. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. You gotta, in order to get injured in a sport, you gotta have contact. What, yeah. what are you talking about? Terrible, absolutely terrible. So I, we don't. It, it actually, it actually bothered me watching this game because I, I was. They, they just kept bringing up about you know, and, and I saw a few people on Twitter say this that all the Red Bull, all Red Bulls to do is dive and and deceive the referee and all that type of stuff. And I said, I said, okay, even if they are, it's part of the game. I said that's not that's the ref's job to decide if you know they're doing it or not. And to be honest. I have not seen a lot of players booked for diving this year. I think Jared got one in the in the game against Charleston. And yeah, that's what I can remember. Deservedly so. That was yeah, a bad dive. Yeah, absolutely uh, deservedly so. But if the ref doesn't call it some of the time, I mean, I've seen I've seen games where this year where they've been absolutely um, butchered by teams, like just getting just getting tripped or kicked at, and there's no cards given out. I mean. You, you you have to call the referee has to call he has to call tight or he has to call or he has to let him play it's it's one to two options a hundred percent and I think uh, in terms of the way that teams approach the Red Bulls too it's well known that uh, these young guys can be um, taken out of the the match by playing them physically and lots of teams do it so I think there's already a higher incidence of uh, fouls conceded in, in that sense. If I believe I'm correct, Cincinnati did it earlier at Red Bull Arena this year because mm-hmm. Tenari was playing hurt halfway through the game most, yes. for most of the most of the second half. And I remember uh, when they went when they traveled to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had something like four yellow cards in the first half. Yeah, and if you look at uh, like players like Ben Mines, anytime that they were out there, he was getting murdered. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, but these these are like one they are uh, physically less imposing than. Um, uh, the opposition in many cases. Obviously, there are exceptions. Hassan and Dom is certainly not a small or scrawny uh, player. <laughs> uh, but but guys like Tanari, Aguinaga, um, uh, Moreno, Stroud, these are, for the most part, smaller guys. They're faster. They're uh, maybe more athletic. But their they're, they're, uh, lack of um, uh, physicality uh, it certainly plays a part in the way that 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 teams play against them, and so I think there's already a higher incidence. But uh, what I had seen was, you know, after these fouls, I, I don't necessarily think that they were diving with any kind of regularity, uh, but people were taking umbrage with them staying down after they were fouled, which to me is, you know, a kind of uh, it's gamesmanship. Time? It's games, gamesmanship that I don't mind seeing in the match. If you don't like the fact that another team is taking a long time to get up because you just fouled them, well, maybe don't stop. Foul them. Foul, right, stop fouling them, and they won't be able to do that. That's that's a huge but part of the it, match. It, it, it was just weird because, like, I, I you could tell that the, the FC Cincinnati announcers had either they have never watched a game or they had never they they don't watch many games because. Time wasting is a thing. It, it, it's been a it's been a thing in the game for years. I mean, it, 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 there's a reason substitutions are made in the 90th minute or like the 91st minute. It, it, it's part of the game. I mean, if if you have to, if that's your excuse for why you didn't win the game because they time wasted, well, then you didn't obviously create enough to win the game in the first place or be that's in the right. game in the first place. 
I'll so, tell you. I'll tell you what. That's what professional teams do, and that's what the New York Red Bulls two are professional. Unlike this FC Cincinnati uh, mob, I don't. I don't know. Where What's going to be that. their excuse next year when they go to MLS and teams <laughs> and teams and they're getting obliterated by teams? Look, if if they played the revs in the mid aughts, the the Steve Nickel revs with Matt Riesengel, they would lose their minds. <laughs> I've never seen a team uh, more efficiently waste time than the revs, and that was a huge part of what uh, I think made them so frustrating for other teams to play. But in, good on them. I, I think that you know they they were able to maximize uh, points by being able to be efficient, and that's what happens in sports. They they do it in the NFL in terms of running the ball when you've got a lead and and being wise about when you use your timeouts. And this is how they do it in soccer. Uh, okay, we're gonna take. Oh wait, wait! I didn't even say who's who you got for man of the match. Uh, I mean. I don't, I don't think there's really much of a choice. Hassan Nadam um, had a tremendous game. Um, pretty much took Fernando Adi out of the game. And I thought just – he's been the main reason I think this back line has come together. And I think he deserves all the credit in the world uh, in addition to the coaching staff. I, but I think he's stepped up as a leader on this team and has basically said follow my lead and we'll get this done. Yeah, I fully agree. Hassan Nadam – uh, he has blossomed this season, and this was a, a huge part of why they were able to get the victory this week. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk to that guy. Uh, and he gave us a pretty good interview earlier today, so stick around. And we're back. We are joined now by, uh, I think, the consensus man of the match from this past weekend's match against FC Cincinnati. Uh, what some would consider a, a pretty big upset. It's Hassan and Dom. Hello, Hassan. How are you? Hi, I'm good. And you are doing, guys? No, we're doing very well here. Uh, I think uh, everyone was um, thrilled with your... I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a trash talk heading into the FC Cincinnati match. But certainly a little bit of certainly a little bit of gamesmanship with uh, uh, Fernando Adi. Uh, but you know, you, you, it's not bragging if you can back it up, and, and you you really did do a great job locking down uh, a high powered offense. Uh, walk us through that a little bit. What was the preparation like, and, and how did it turn out so well? I mean, like I like I said again in the beginning, like when I talk about in the interview, I said, and um, Cincinnati is a great team, you know. They had like a great offense, great offensive player, like player coming from the MLS down to USL because they're going to be in MLS for sure next year. But you know, it was like I said, it was 50-50. He did a lot of things in the past, scored a lot of goals, but ended up being the battles. And then we went there. We were, me, my, me, my teammates, the backline, Kevin and the other guys, and also Jordan coming in, ever make a great save. So. We went there, like making sure, like everything, we were on top of a little detail and making sure they didn't have anything because I, we all know Cincinnati is a really good team and at set pieces. So going down there with my teammate, making sure they don't have anything was great. And at least for me, defending Ali was a lot of, was very good for me, you know. I learned a lot defending him. And like I said, defending Bradley was, I think, better than defending him. So everything was good so far. And 
you know, not for nothing, but the defense, I think, struggled throughout the summer uh, and even a little bit into September. But overall, things have been very good of late. Uh, you've done a good job of locking down uh, other teams and, you know, teams like Cincinnati that uh, can be so difficult. What changed uh, over that the, the last couple of matches that things have tightened up so so well? I don't think so much change. I think we just more, we have like a lot of confidence. You know, we like, we, were, we had like up and down. We can see in the beginning of the season, we were really good, like winning teams. I had a lot of shutout, but scoring a lot of goals. But in the mid-season, I don't know what happened. We ended up having no confidence, but we can see like in the end of the season, we had our confidence. Like playing down men, we had like three games playing down men. That gave us a lot of confidence, like make like, show us that we're really a family we stick together as a family no matter what up and down we end up being really good so we took that we talk about it as a staff in the team that okay we have a good time playing down with men we have to do the same thing be like even you know so that's why now we have the same mentality going down to every single game making sure that you're on top of every little detail and get the three points or now it's not about three points it's about winning the game and we're going down to rival is the final we lost last year and no doubt we're going down there to make sure like we're going back home with the trophy and why not be champion of USA to champ- why not be tra- champion of the USA. And speaking of Louisville, this is the third straight year where Red Bull and Louisville are meeting in the conference final. Uh are are they kind of moving into position as, as the biggest rival for New York now, you think? I don't know. I I, I mean they always been every team now when they play against New York Red Bull too, they're like is their rival. So we're taking everything to come. Like we for sure we're the underdog. We're going down there like everybody knows okay it's over for New York Rebel too, but we're gonna make sure that New York Rebel Two is not over. We're gonna make sure we take over the business. But for us no rivals is a game like every single team. We're going down there to make sure we're on top of every every detail and win the game. Like we've been doing. I mean I'm confident about my teammates and we're all confident that it's gonna be a good game. It's not gonna be easier. Be ready for that. That's what we play for, for those type of games. And uh, on the back line itself, obviously there was a lot of um, rotating personnel throughout the season, but now uh, things seem to have stabilized a little bit. Uh, how's the partnership developing with uh, Kevin Pollitz, and how do you think he's doing in his rookie season? Uh, and, and maybe the same about uh, Alan Giannis, who's, who's really come on strong for you guys. Yeah, like, I mean, for Kevin, I can talk about what Kevin Pollitz is like, such a great guy, you know, I saw the pitch and also in the field, talk a lot, smart player, communicate a lot. I think like in the beginning of the season, you just didn't have like, I think confidence, but when you got that confidence, we all can see that he's a really good player and he helped us a lot and he keep helping us. He keep talking to making sure that I'm, I learn a lot playing with him, you know, and then I keep learning and we helping each other, making sure that we're on top of every detail and then we don't let everybody down with push up everybody and move the team up and defending, not taking any goals and you know, but Yanis too, Yanis came up in the middle of the season, also helped a lot playing left back because you have Ethan playing right back. We all know it's tough for him because he's like he's a right foot player on the left side, but he's doing a really good job like with us and we're really happy for him and we all keep pushing at the back line, making sure that we're helping each other, you know. That's what we keep doing and we're looking forward to the next game. And obviously, again, that next game is going to be against Louisville. Louisville, uh, I mean, I think at least over the last two seasons has played you guys very, very strongly. What is going to be key for you guys uh, to get another result there? 
I can't really tell you the answer, you know, John. It's going to be really tough, really tight, but I can't really tell you any answer. They're going to come flying. They're going to be at home. They're ready. They know, like, they know it's not going to be an easy game. And we know it's not going to be an easy game. I mean, they're really good team, like set pieces. So we have to be careful, like making foul around the box. You know, they have a Lancaster. You can shoot from everywhere. So we have to be careful for like making any foul. But at the end of the day, we're ready. Set pieces. You have to be careful set pieces. And then we know we have like a great front three and we're needed to, to get a job done. So at the end of the day, like we played them last year. It was really good. And going down there again this year is going to be fantastic. So we're ready for that. Uh, looping back around to the the match against Cincinnati, uh, they started their undefeated streak against you guys, uh, you know, way way back in uh, the summer months. Did was there any satisfaction uh, being able to finally bring that streak to an end? Yeah, it was felt really good. You know, I mean, everybody can tell like going down to Cincinnati with the crowd is amazing, man. It's like a dream come true. It's like that's why we play soccer for to be in this type of crowd to make sure that. Like, you know, leaving this fear, like, they're all quiet. They were all quiet. They couldn't say anything. You know, that's what we wanted to do, to make sure that this crowd stay quiet and then we leave in the field and moving forward, going to the final. But we felt really happy, you know. We felt really happy breaking the winning streak and then moving forward. I'm pretty sure they'll remember us in the MLS, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um and speaking of the MLS side, uh, obviously New York Red Bulls won their third Supporters Shield in, in six seasons. Uh, this year, you were a part of that effort. Uh, does that give a yeah. little extra boost in, in terms of, of your performances, uh, knowing that uh, you were able to, to not only step up to that level of play, uh, but contribute in a meaningful way? Yeah, like give me a lot of confidence. I'm very happy for those guys. Like, Aaron Long and Tim Parker and I mean the whole deep stack when I'm, I'm a defender for sure so I'm looking I'm talking about defender they did a lot of like a great work you know and Chris I must talk today again like if the defender they're going to give a championship defending well is going to end up you're going to end up being a winner so like I'm really happy I'm learning a lot watching them playing like Tim Parker and Aaron Long and also Orlean and the other guys I'm being learning a lot I'm keep learning I'm really happy for them and they all said it it's not the end. They're moving forward and looking forward to have the MLS Cup and we're going to get it no matter what. They're working hard each day, every day, taking day by day and trust the process. But at the end of the day, I'm really happy and I'm really happy that I've been part of it playing against Columbus Crew. I remember in my first uh, MLS game, played for 90 minutes. So really happy for them and looking forward for them to have um, the MLS Cup. Uh, I think all of us would be very happy to see them get the MLS Cup. Um, Hassan, thank you so much for coming on. Before I let you go, I'm going to subject you uh, to the, uh, well, we called it the lightning round. I, I got to come up with a better name for it, but <laughs> uh, but I'm going to subject you to some uh, silly questions. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Good. What is the title of the book they're going to write about you? What is the title of the book you're going to write about me? Yeah. Uh, you have a title already or you don't have? No, no, no. You have to come up with one. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. Big class in progress. There you go. I like it. Uh, let's pretend you're on... Are you really going to really write a book about it? I mean, well, we got to wait to see how you do through the rest of your career, Tom. 
okay, okay. Good cast in progress. So far. <laughs> I like it so far. <laughs> um, I like this cast. Let's say you're on. Yeah, really, really, really more with big cars. I don't know how. <laughs> let's say, let's say you're on death row. What is your final meal going to be? If I'm what? If you're on death row, so uh, most of the time, um, uh, inmates on death row have a special request for their final meal. Usually, something uh, that they love or a really weird sort of mix of, of things that they love. But if it if it was your final meal, what would that be? In plantain. Uh, that is a delicious final meal. <laughs> and uh, la- last but not least, have to be, you need to have plantains. That's the best thing. Fry plantains. You oh. need to have that. You need to try it. They are delicious. I would agree. Uh, and last, who is the least funny but thinks they're funny uh, player or staff member for the Red Bulls too? Mm, that's a tough question. Rebutuo, first team. I guess I could open it up to the first team too. Sure. Anything. Uh, Lucas, I mean, the player too. Yeah, I, yeah, it could be a player. Lucas Toffer. <laughs> I think it's funny sometimes. But he's funny at the end of the day. He's a good guy, but sometimes his joke is not that funny. But I think it's funny. Lucas Toffer is the one. That's excellent. Well, Hassan, thank you again so much for coming on, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck this weekend. Thank thank you so much. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And when we come back, we're going to preview that match against Louisville City. Stick around. And we're back. This is the spooky Halloween edition. Uh, for raising balls, <laughs> I should have done something earlier, like "Ooh, <laughs> we're the only podcast dedicated." Um, <laughs> <laughs> now we're we're going to preview a huge match Friday night, Louisville City, Louisville, uh, as Russ McKenzie would say. He told me he listens to the podcast uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll see if that's true. Russ, if you really do listen to the podcast, I want you to send me a message uh, after this goes up that says apples, apples, apples. Um, <laughs> it's a test. We'll find out. <laughs> anyway, um, Louisville is uh, easily the best team in the East. I know FC Cincinnati was very proud of the way that they ran through the season, uh, but Louisville was one of those teams that they struggled against. When you look at what they've done in the playoffs so far, they are not playing scared. That's one of the things I said about FC Cincinnati. I think it was true about uh, Charleston Battery. Louisville is not scared of you, Red Bull. And yes, this is the third time they've met. They've already been able to exercise the demons heading to the final and winning last season. It's like a uh, this is for all the marbles type thing. Maybe they should just throw away all of the regular season and playoffs and just, you know, at the end of the season, Louisville and <laughs> Red Bull can get together and decide who goes to the finals. Uh, but uh, the way that, that this match is shaping up, I think that there are finally going to be some big time fireworks in a Red Bull 2 playoff match. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be for them. The way that uh, Cameron Lancaster has played against them. The way that Brian Ownby is stepping up uh, in the playoffs, he had two huge, huge goals against Bethlehem Steel. 
I'm I'm just not feeling very confident. Jostine, is there is there a way to talk me off the the ledge here? Yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't believe it either. I could hear it. You know, I don't want to say I don't believe because every time I've I've kind of I don't want to say stop believing in this team, but thought, all right, you know, this might be the leak that you know everything comes unglued. It, it, they just seem to prove me wrong. I didn't think it would be last week. I, I was confident in both the since FC Cincinnati and the Charleston games, but the thing is, this team is again. I picked them to win the East. I just think they're just a really good team this year. Even we, I mean, it, it seems like weird because they had a coaching change midseason, like the first team did for mm-hmm. <laughs> for the Red Bulls. So, and it, it took them a little while to get acclimated, but since they got acclimated, they've done a great job. They just ba- basically ran through everybody in this in, in the postseason. They beat Indy Eleven convincingly. They beat Bethlehem convincingly. Cameron Lancaster has been a thorn in the side for this team. Uh, you know, the game against uh, the game at Montclair, he was just he terrorized them. Uh, Ilya Illich did too. Brian Ovi, like you said, has stepped up. Uh, McCabe has stepped up as well. So the biggest thing I look at when I look at this game is when they played back, I want to say it was in March, from, uh, June. When they played at the end of June, they were down 2 nothing going into halftime at, off two Cameron Lancaster goals, and they completely fr- flipped the, squ- uh, the script. The midfield completely took over the game. And they were able to grab a lead and only to concede late and unfortunately draw. But the biggest thing is they won't have Christian Caceres this time around. So that midfield of that holding midfield of Tanari and Lima is going to have to be very, they're going to have to be compact and they're going to have to watch everything that they try and do and not get too far caught up the field because well, yeah, this team that, can counter, they can counterattack you in a hurry. That, it, that, it, that to it, me is the key to this match because I think what, what Louisville did so well at, uh, MSU or yeah, MSU this season was draw the Red Bulls upfield and just wait patiently for counter opportunities. And if you watch the match against Bethlehem Steel, I think uh, Louisville had a ton of possession and, and did well um, passing the final third. But both of their goals came in counterattack opportunities, and that's where they could be so dangerous. And it's not just one player that you have to look out for. Um, so uh, in terms of what they did against FC Cincinnati, that could still be a very good blueprint uh, to not concede against Louisville. Uh, but getting a goal the other way, I think, is going to be far more difficult as well because uh, Louisville's defense is, I think, top-notch in terms of uh, what we've seen in USL. Uh, I think I think it's possible for them to get this result. I think it's going to be much, much harder than what they did in Cincinnati. And even though we were uh, praising uh, their defense, uh, Cincinnati did them a lot of favors by, you know, continually trying to pass the ball into the net and looked bereft of ideas in attack uh, in general, except for a couple of occasions, you know, that we brought up. I don't think that that Louisville could be frustrated in that same way uh, that Cincinnati was. Yeah, they're just they're they're very they're very organized in their attack, and they just seem to have again. Louis or uh, Cincinnati's thing was they tried to get crosses in the box a lot, and a lot, most of those crosses were cleared. Louisville can attack you in so many different ways, and you know as we brought up counterattack, I, I, like like you said, I I would come into this 
game with the game plan that they had against Cincinnati. Just try and catch them on the counter, catch them in possession. Because this when they when this team's able to string passes together, I mean that counterattack when they started it uh, for the goal from Amon the Moreno's goal, Nandam to Aguinaga, Moreno was able to carry the ball field, and then they got runners, which took the defenders away, which allowed Moreno to score. So if they're able to basically gain a little bit of a foothold in this game and you know be able to catch them be able to pick they again we we've been talk we talked about earlier they're they haven't finished a lot of their chances they're going to when they get good chances in this game they're going to have to finish them yep yep absolutely and we talked uh, about uh what to do with um the striker position Tom Barlow uh, Anatoly Abang. I didn't mention this during the Cincinnati match, but I think having a little bit of extra physicality and hold-up play against Cincinnati would have done them well. And I think the same is true against Louisville. But do you do you take out Barlow? Because we talked about playing the hot hand. You know, he he has one goal in the playoffs in his two matches, which is is good. Uh, but he hasn't seemed like a consistent threat. Hmm. I you know. Playing a bong in this game might not be a bad idea if they want someone to hold the ball up. Um, and bringing Barlow on in the second half, if you need somebody to run at that tired defense, is always a good idea. Okay. So uh, starting a bong's interesting this game. I still think they're going to go with Barlow up top, but I, I wouldn't be totally opposed to a bong. And just to make this uh, strange pattern connection uh, <laughs> to Louisville, uh, obviously, this is the third time that Red Bull are taking on Louisville in the conference finals. Uh, they lost their coach midseason, uh, O'Connor, to Orlando City. Uh, that the Red Bulls won, just beat in order to get their trophy. So <laughs> uh, maybe there'll be some extra magic involved in some kind of uh, superstitious way there. I need to get your prediction, but first... <laughs> Let's look out west. Orange County SC defeats Reno one nothing. I didn't think they looked convincing in the match, but Reno really didn't look up to it in the same way that Bethlehem Steel did not look up to their match. Uh, and then on the other side of things, Phoenix Rising, another emphatic victory. I was wrong on both of my picks. I picked <laughs> Swope Park and Reno. They both got uh, booted. And here we are, Orange County and Phoenix Rising. One of these teams is headed to the final. Joe, I don't even want to ask you because I know who you're going to pick. But uh, being that this is a podcast, and maybe the listeners don't know, uh, who you got in this one? I have Phoenix Rising. Yeah, of course um, you do. <laughs> they've just, I mean, the, the biggest thing that stood out to me in the game against Swope was Swope did the same thing to Sacramento uh, two, a week earlier where they conceded, they scored twit Two quick goals. Actually, funny enough that Tyler Blackwood is actually he Phoenix Rising, which used to be Arizona United. He actually played for Arizona United when I was covering the team out there. So it was actually interesting to see him score and then Chris Cortez score in that game because they were both on Arizona United when I was covering that team before they became Phoenix Rising. So, um, but I really loved how they responded. They looked like the better team in the second half. They definitely showed it. Uh, Orange County SC again. They beat Reno, but didn't look convincing, like you said. But I also think Reno's a better team than Swope, so I'm also taking that in consideration. But this year, the it, you know the games have been entertaining between the two. I mean, basically each team has a win and they drew. So something's got to give in this one. I personally think Phoenix Rising will get it done. Uh, I think that 
they are just riding that wave right now and they will get it done and I think they will be in the finals. I I'm prom- going to say okay, I'm going to say 2-1. I promise I'm not doing this to jinx them. Uh but I agree with you. I think Phoenix Rising uh has looked way more up to the task offensively. They ran over the Timbers too. They ran over Swope Park. Now you can make the argument those are two uh lower seeded teams and the the gap in talent from uh the Timbers and Swope Park uh, to Reno, who was the fifth seed, uh, is much greater uh, than it, it would seem. <laughs> but uh, I just think that they, they've got this momentum. They're playing so well right now. It's nice you could just bring on DDA Drogba <laughs> for uh, <laughs> a late goal to kind of cement your position. And, uh, yeah, I think they're they're going to be hosting the uh the usl cup and we'll get to why in a little bit <laughs> i have to, i have to i have to say that was on the last goal for draw heck of a finish by drogba but what like what a tackle from cortez to win oh, yeah. that ball i was i i mean i was like wow i didn't know cortez actually like played defense because that was like that wasn't a forwards tackle that was like a a tackle that you usually see out of a defense a holding midfielder or defenseman or a defender but that was that was something that was impressive. Yeah, that so, was that was a special play. Um, uh, yeah, Park. The, yeah, yeah, it was completely. It was such a special moment for them. Um, but yeah, I, I think they'll get it done. I, I really think Joe's trying to jinx them. So, uh, <laughs> um, I, I I just want I'd love to see them in the final. I wish I could be there to see if if they if they ho- uh, when they if if they make it and host it. I, I wish I could be there to see it because I I, I was there preseason. And the atmosphere is great. I can't imagine it there with um, a sold-out crowd. We'll we'll have to see if we can um, convince the team to fly, fly us out to Phoenix. <laughs> should they, the Red Bulls if, win, if they if they make the finals, uh, yeah, that would that would be pretty awesome. But that probably won't happen. Yeah, I don't it, think so either. It, it, it would be awesome. Um, uh, I'd be but, voting in all of my favors ever to uh, <laughs> the team all at once, and I'd like to space those out over a number of years. <laughs> all right, let's focus back east. Louisville, Red Bulls two. Who you got? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go against my prediction because I said Louis. I've been. I said Louisville was gonna win the East. I, I know I should stick to that, but something tells me because of what happened last year in that penalty shootout, we're gonna get a third penalty shootout. It's gonna be one-one. It's gonna go to a penalty shootout, and this time Red Bulls two are gonna take it this time in Louisville. That would be fantastic. I do not think this is going to penalty kicks. Uh, I'm also feeling stupidly optimistic, even though, again, just like you, I've said to anyone that's asked me, Louisville will win this match. Uh, I probably still believe that and will jinx the Red Bulls by doing this. But I think this is going to be their third consecutive one nothing victory. I think Louisville is going to want to tear their hair out. Uh, because the Red Bulls are going to score early in this one, and then they're going to sit back and absorb and absorb and absorb and just frustrate the crap out of Louisville, Uh, which means that they will be traveling to Phoenix to take on Phoenix Rising, should these predictions hold true. (laughs) Everybody feeling good about those? I, I, I I wonder how USL feels that this is the final for the third year in a row. Uh, I'm sure they're fine with it. Look, uh, Red Bull put out an entertaining match 
every time they go out there. True. Even, true. even when they lose, they're they're entertaining. So I think uh, USL is fine with the two most they, entertaining they, teams they, in the Eastern Conference probably, playing. They're probably thinking like part of part of their part of their mindset is probably like these guys again. Like, can we get two two new teams in the final? Please. <laughs> yeah. Right. I would think that. I think that they're probably uh, angriest that they're not going to get the crowd. Uh, that FC Cincinnati would draw, although we didn't even talk about that. Where the heck was everybody? Yep. Yeah, I know, really. I mean, like, it's not like, and I even checked that day. Uh, the Cincinnati football wasn't home that day. They so, were, they I were mean, like ten thousand light from their average yeah, attendance. I what mean, the heck, Cincinnati? I mean, make the trip. I mean, you know, if if they had a home, if Red Bulls two had a home playoff game against Nashville, I could tell you what. There would have been people. Those you know, we, we don't have the capacity at Montclair State. They don't have the capacity at the Mon- at Montclair State that they do at Nippert. But those bleachers would have been full. Yeah, I, I, I think we, so. We would, have made, we would have made sure those bleachers were full. I think so. I agree. And uh, if I'm MLS right now, I'm going, uh, uh-oh. I've made a huge mistake. Uh, we'll see (laughs) all right that brings us to the end of another episode of raising bulls uh we want to thank you so much for listening you can follow us on twitter i am at underscore joe goldstein i am at jsteen 15 and if you'd like to follow the show and we hope you do we are at raising bull cast that's one bull raising bull cast and as i've said that is on Twitter. You can also follow our written works at RB News Network. That's also on Twitter and rbnn.us. You can find us facebook.com slash raising bulls. You can go to raisingbulls.com where we have all of our episodes. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you can get your podcasts. We are there and we need your, your rates and your reviews. Give it to us. It means everything and it really does help. Hashtag Merced in. You can find us at bgn.fm with a ton of other great USL shows. I talk about them all the time. I'm not going to mention any of them this week because I think, oh no, a rising is one <laughs> we can talk <laughs> about. Uh, I think there was an OCSC one. Now I, I don't see it on here. Maybe I didn't update yet. Um, well, yeah, listen to rising is one at bgn.fm because that's the team still in the playoffs. Unlike you other losers, uh, who have all dropped out at this point. I'm only talking garbage to them because I love them so much and they're not losers. <laughs> they do a great job week in week out. Uh, I can't tell you how bummed that we didn't get a deep run in the playoffs from the river hounds. So we could have, uh, spoken to Mike Sparks and Mongols again, but it is what it is. And, of course, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And remember, folks, make sure to check your candy. There are razor blades and poison in the candy. Check your candy. I feel like... I that feel like you're it watching not, too much trick or treat. It doesn't happen. That's not a thing that happens unless the family is the one doing it. it, it there's a whole thing about it. <laughs> Your kids only get poisoned if you are the ones poisoning them, folks. <laughs> it's very, very rare that outside forces are going to poison candy to poison your children. I guess I can't say never, but it's you're scary. scary. You're, scaring, you're scaring the audience. <laughs> Well, <laughs> obviously, uh, the Red Bulls 2 players uh, are young enough to continue to trick-or-treat. So I'm just looking out for everybody. 
<laughs> anyway, folks, have a happy Halloween, and we will see you on the other side, either for our finale next week or a preview of the USL Cup final. Let's hope it's the latter. For myself and Joe Steen, thank you very much, and have a great night. Mm-hmm.